everyone, and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com, part of Edge Sports. We've got a Football Outsiders packed show today because as my guest in lieu of a, a typical traditional fantasy football writer, I have Aaron Schatz, founder of Football Outsiders, which I'm, I'm having him on because I want to talk about the fantasy playoffs in which players have good and bad schedules. So maybe during your week 13 waiver wire, you can look forward and, and try to make those decisions a little bit ahead of time. But before we get to that interview with Aaron, I want to share with you an exclusive offer from Football Outsiders. We're the innovators of modern football analytics with proprietary metrics you know and love like DVOA and DYAR. They're used by teams and they're great tools for fantasy players as well. So get the most out of your fantasy teams and DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today with promo code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide on all Football Outsiders tools and statistics. Meanwhile, the show is also brought to you by Edge Sports, trusted by Super Bowl champions and billion-dollar betting syndicates. Only Edge Sports offers a fully customizable probability engine, interactive matchup models, and spread and over-under projections. Find your Edge today with promo code FANTASY50 to save 50% off site-wide there. That's code FANTASY50 to save 50% off site-wide on all Edge Sports packages, and that is EDJ Sports. Okay, let's go over to that conversation with Aaron. Okay, joining me on today's episode is Aaron Schatz, founder of Football Outsiders and my boss. Aaron, how are you? I think I probably know the answer to this because we're recording this just when we found out that the uh, the Ravens game got pushed to Wednesday night. But how's it going? I am getting ready for Wednesday night football, baby. This is a fantasy <laughs> podcast, right? So we're going to talk is. about uh, which of your Steelers and Ravens to start and sit because there's still one more game left this week. And I'm sure this is going to affect all of your your projections and such, the way that it'll affect everything that I'm doing on my end, too. Yeah, I have to do manual changes. And I mean, if, if, if this ends up getting pushed off to week 18, that's when I really have to start doing manual changes because my whole thing is not built to have an 18th week where there's only like two games, but they count in the regular season. I mean, you know, I, we'll, we'll play them when we play them. That's 2020. Seems that way. And so... This is going to be a weird episode because, again, we're talking mostly about waiver wire players for week 13 before week 12 is even wrapped up. That's unusual, but you can probably guess by the fact that we have Aaron on today that this is going to be an unusual show anyway. And the idea here is that since the fantasy playoffs are starting in week 14 in a lot of leagues and then 15 and 16 in most leagues, this is a really good time to use the waiver wire as an opportunity not just to fill your roster holes, but to look ahead at the favorable matchups for passers wide receivers, running backs, all the positions really, and try to sort of set your roster up to hopefully have success when it matters the most. And Aaron is a tremendous guest uh, for that reason, because he runs those DVOA splits uh, for us for the future weeks. So I'm going to kind of let Aaron take the lead here and run us through the easiest and hardest passing schedules and rushing schedules. So we can hopefully recommend some players for you that'll help you in the fantasy playoffs and not just in the short term. And uh, I based these based on the weighted DVOA, so it gives a little bit more weight to recent games and a little less to the early part of the season. Okay, great. Let's start with uh, the best teams as far as who they're playing pass defense-wise. And the number one is the Los Angeles Rams. Nice. So I was looking at this from a couple perspectives. I think Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, they're going to be on rosters in pretty much every format. So I think you're talking about two real players here. Jared Goff and Josh Reynolds with Goff, you know, entering this season had shown a very marked split with home and, and road uh, in his career. But this year has kind of defied the odds pretty much across the board. He's got big passing days against difficult passing opponents like the Buccaneers. 
uh, and has really had some stinkers even at home. He had one against the 49ers last week. So I'm not really ready to trust Goff uh, even playing the matchups. So I think my recommendation here for deeper formats would be Josh Reynolds, who probably will surprise you to learn has a 19% target share since week seven. That's 41st highest among wide receivers in range with probably more popular fantasy options like CD lamb, Russell Gage and AJ green. So Reynolds is somebody I think you can maybe pick up for that in your deeper format specifically. I'll point out here, the Rams have the Patriots week 14 who are sort of an interesting team this year because they have a really bad pass DVOA defense but they don't actually allow a ton of fantasy points because of the way that they run the clock yes. and slow, you know, and well, I guess not slow the game down. Depends on how you look at things, whether you would call that slowing the game down or speeding the game up, but there's fewer plays in Patriots games mm-hmm. because of the way that they play. Uh, on the other hand, in championship week, you get Seattle and we know what Seattle has been like this year for wide receivers. So, so yeah, that might be one where you could actually throw in Goff there and, and kind of hope for the best. That may be like an undermanned type of strategy, but you could you could do it if you were bold. Uh, the second easiest pass defense schedule over the next four weeks belongs to the Green Bay Packers. So you obviously like this one a lot more. Obviously, you love it with Rodgers. You love it with Devontae Adams. You probably love it with Aaron Jones as a receiver as well. But all of those players are rostered in every format. I think there might be some people willing to 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 sort of ride with Marquez Valdez Scantling, but I feel like he and now Alan Lazard, now that he's back, are fighting over too small of a piece of of the target share. So I think Robert Tanyan is probably the player to speak of here. Still available in about sixty percent of ESPN leagues and forty percent of Yahoo leagues. And since Lazard has come back, it hasn't really caused Tanyan to see a dip in his playing time. Seventy three percent and fifty eight percent offensive snap shares the last two weeks in range with the rest of the season. I don't think he's quite as valuable in general as as his fantasy production has been to date. He has seven receiving touchdowns, but just 2.59 opportunity-adjusted touchdowns. He has the biggest surplus in touchdowns among tight ends. But, you know, with a player like Rodgers, a quarterback, I think you're probably going to have a surplus. And his 13% target share this season is 18th among tight ends. So probably a, a high-end tight end two, maybe boosted into the tight end one range because of the positive matchups the rest of the way. And the Packers in championship week get the Tennessee Titans, who, because they have an awesome passing offense and a poor pass defense, are just a pass funnel. That brings me to the team with the third easiest pass defense schedule over the last, uh, not the last four weeks, the next four weeks, weeks 13 to 16. And that's the Tennessee Titans who play Green Bay in championship week. And also play Cleveland, Jacksonville, and Detroit. Yeah, I think this is maybe the most interesting one from my perspective because it's not just the fact that the Titans have an easy passing schedule going forward. It's that they're coming off a very difficult passing schedule. So since week seven, Tannehill has averages 206 passing yards and 1.7 passing touchdowns per game. And that's led Tannehill to being dropped in close to 50% of ESPN leagues, 25% of Yahoo leagues. But in that stretch, he faced off against the Steelers, the Bears, the Colts twice, and the Ravens, all in the top nine in DVOA pass defense. So even before seeing the schedule, I thought the Tannehill was a nice value to pick up in your traditional formats, just kind of facing against that. But now he's kind of flipping the script to the other end of it with those you know Jaguars and Lions matchups that you really love for fantasy. I will say that I have Tannehill in the league I do with my friends from college. Yes, nice. Where I originally had Dak Prescott, and then my replacement for Dak Prescott was Joe Burrow. 
oof. So not the best injury luck so far this season. But I mean, so I, let's go Ryan Tannehill. I was like, you probably would have been starting weeks. Tannehill over Burrow over that next stretch of games anyway. Um, I'll also point out that Corey Davis, you know, he's kind of hung on and still maintained his fantasy value, even with AJ Brown having such success. Davis has a 24.8% target share since week seven. That's 16th highest among wide receivers. Brown is barely above him at 26.1%. So, you know, you can probably start Davis too um, and, and stack it up a little bit there with some of your Titans receivers. Uh, the number four easiest pass defense schedule over the next four weeks belongs to the Cleveland Browns. I'm not really sure I want to advocate anybody there for you in fantasy. I don't know if you have any disagreements there, Aaron. No, in fact, uh, this is the Giants are another team that has a poor pass defense DVOA, but doesn't actually give up a lot of fantasy points to mm-hmm. quarterbacks. And I feel like Baker's been pretty iffy anyway. Uh, and the Jets in championship week, I mean, if Cleveland wins that game, and we have that as the most likely Jets win left on the schedule, right. but still Cleveland will be a great favorite. You know, they're not going to be passing late in that game. They're going to be running clocks. So uh, I don't know if Baker Mayfield's the guy you want to go with over the next couple of weeks. Probably not. So who, who else do you have that's a good passing schedule, if anyone? Well, if they ever play football again, (laughs) the Baltimore Ravens have a good pass schedule over the last four weeks with Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, and the Giants. Yeah, this one's a tough one for me, too. I mean, I think Lamar Jackson, even though it's not as good as a year as it was last year in fantasy, I think you're confidently starting him. You're confidently starting Mark Andrews if both of them clear COVID, the issues that they're potentially dealing with there. But I'm not sure if there's anybody else that jumps out to me as a player that I want to trust in fantasy. You know, Marquise Brown started the season as like a sneaky top 15 type of target share, but he's really fallen off. And it's kind of gotten to the point where there's a big distribution with Willie Sneed getting targets, Des Bryant getting targets, Devin DuVernay getting targets, such that I don't think I'm going to rely on any of those players in fantasy, unless maybe Aaron, you think you disagree with any of that. Not really. Yeah. Too tough there. So, But why don't we touch on some of the harder passing schedules too? Maybe not necessarily to tell you to drop the players involved, but just something to keep in mind, maybe affecting your start and set decisions and DFS decisions. Well, this one, I would never tell you to drop the players involved, especially the quarterback involved. But based on DVOA, the hardest pass schedule over the next four weeks belongs to the Kansas City Chiefs with Denver, Miami, New Orleans, and Atlanta. Yeah, that is interesting. And I've gotten into trouble before kind of playing matchups with Mahomes, which that's not quite the right word. But like when you lower Mahomes to say the fifth quarterback of the week because he's on the road or in a difficult matchup, that can really burn you sometimes. And I would say case in point week 12, where, you know, the the Bucks were a top five DVA passing defense. I'm not sure if that'll change, but if you did anything but start he and Tyreek Hill, you would be really regretting things later. So I don't think I'm going to tell anybody to, to move away from any Chiefs. I just feel like Mahomes is almost too unique of a quality player to, to sort of play the matchups with in any case. I would feel like maybe it would mean that these are not the weeks to be trying a McCall Hardman. Sure. Right, to take that, like, that long shot where you have an injury and you're like, who do I fill the spot with? And you're like, well, McCall Hardman is a you know, high-risk, high-reward kind of guy. I would think the risk would be higher with these defenses. I think that's fair. But definitely start Mahomes, definitely start Hill, definitely start Travis Kelsey in all formats. Right. Uh, the second hardest and the one where you start thinking maybe about players is Buffalo. Yeah. Um, I think Josh Allen has probably graduated to the every-week starter 
consideration at this point, and obviously Diggs is there too. So I think maybe you're talking about Cole Beasley at this point. And I haven't really looked to see if like his splits kind of show any type of trend, but Beasley's been like had a really high target share over the second half of the season so far. So I'm tempted to say that he's kind of okay to start against difficult pass defenses as well. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think Beasley, he's got, you know, they, they absolutely always make him part of the offense and you have to watch for what's going on with John Brown. Although I guess uh, Jeremy Davis is more of the John Brown replacement as far as like in Gabriel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabriel Davis. Uh, sorry, Jeremy Davis uh, played for Throwback. Giants. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I will also point out the Bills have the Patriots in championship week. And like I said, even though the Patriots have a bad pass defense, they limit quarterback fantasy points because you don't get a lot of plays because the Patriots run so much clock. Yeah, and I'm a little bit loath to even say this because talking about single games, probably not the best way to predict things going forward. But Beasley did only have two catches for 24 yards against the the Patriots back in week eight. I'm not sure that's another reason to maybe avoid it, but that probably isn't as good a matchup to use him anyway. So, yeah. Uh, the next hardest pass defense schedule over the next four weeks is your man Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. And that that this does not incorporate the bye week, so I'm only averaging weeks mm-hmm. 14 to 16. But, of course, also you can't use him week 13. Yeah, so this is an interesting one too because Bridgewater seemed to maybe hurt himself in that final attempted game-winning drive. Uh, last week. So, you know, I'm a little bit nervous about the Panthers anyway. I also think DJ Moore may have injured his ankle in that game. We probably won't get news about any of that until the lead up to week 14 with the team coming out of the bye. But there's some possibility there that there could be some players you want to set. You're definitely not going to want to start Bridgewater in any but the deepest of leagues. Then we have Cincinnati, which I think we can skip. Actually, I mean, the no Bengals going near that. Well, the, the Bengals, I want to point this out because I think people intuitively know that you're not going to start Brandon Allen at all. But the thing that they may forget is like how important Joe Burrow was for the fantasy success of some of his pass catchers. And I suspect there are people who are still starting T. Higgins. That's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, the Bengals 24th with an adjusted line yard, 7.4%. I think Burrow was kind of propping this offense up. Uh, Brandon Allen just 4.7 yards per attempt last week. And I think. At this point, I mean, I'm fine dropping A.J. Green. Um, T. Higgins, I'm not going to drop yet, but I don't really want to start him. Uh, I think a lot of these guys, they kind of relied on Burrow for their success. So I wouldn't count on them as being attractive options for you, regardless of matchup down the stretch now. And then the last team with a harder pass defense schedule over the next four weeks is the Atlanta Falcons, with uh, both New Orleans and Tampa Bay coming up, and then Kansas City in championship week. Yeah, it, I, I don't have the numbers for this ahead of me, so that makes it a little bit unfortunate. But like the Saints, part of their issue in fantasy is that they really limit rushing plays where they do that both because they've got a great rushing defense. I think they're up to top five in run defense DVOA, but also because they tend to pull ahead in games, forcing their opponents to kind of play the game script. So I'm wondering if the Falcons might be a little bit okay, even against a tough pass defense, because they'll probably be passing a little bit more if they're trailing against the Saints. Yeah, that makes sense. The Falcons also, by the way, have a hard schedule of run defenses because of New Orleans and Tampa Bay being good sure. run defenses. So you might, I think that might be one that you're, you're willing to risk, uh, in particular if Julio Jones can come back healthy. There is a pretty market split, I would say, with Matt Ryan's productivity with and without Jones on the field this season. In fact, I think even Calvin Ridley has played better from a fantasy perspective when Jones has been out there. So he's kind of a linchpin for their offense. Although obviously they went off in week 12 without Jones on the field. True. Very true. 
So if you get to play the Raiders defense, you know, <laughs> score. start everybody against them. Yeah. Well, talk, I think we may yeah. be talking about that at some point, but okay. Raiders play Miami in championship week, by the way, if you're still hanging on to Tua Tagovailoa. Oh, I think that might be a good bridge if we want to talk about the easiest rushing schedules, because aren't the Dolphins near the top of that list? Absolutely. The Dolphins have the easiest remaining run schedule in the league with Cincinnati, Kansas City, New England, and Las Vegas. So I wish this were a little bit easier, but I think you're looking at Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed as your two options there. Both of them are available in a good amount of leagues, 30% or so for Gaskin, Ahmed. He's available in more than 50% of leagues, I think probably related to his shoulder injury that kept him out of week 12. We don't really know if either of those players are going to start for you in week 13. And if they do, you don't know if they're going to split time. But I would say that you want to probably pick up both of those players, even though you would then lose out on the Bengals matchup if you're not starting them there. Some of those other matchups, in particular the Raiders, they're the number one booster of care, of touchdowns per carry this season. If one of these guys ends up being more of a horse back for, for Flores down the stretch, you're going to want to have them in those games such that I think they need to be on your benches today. Uh, the next easiest – now here's an interesting one. The next easiest run defense schedule is Denver. So that brings up once again the whole Gordon versus Lindsay discussion. Yeah, and I think what may make this a little bit easier is that Lindsay seemed to suffer an injury in Week 12, and I haven't gotten uh, any updates on like how severe that situation is. So that you know, if if Lindsay's out, then it really makes the decision easier. But I kept expecting Lindsay to be the one that was going to take over in this backfield because he's been so much more efficient than Gordon throughout the season. But Gordon has continued to get those you know high fantasy point opportunity touches near the goal line such that I think you're probably rolling with Gordon as your primary option in fantasy, uh, even though Lindsay's the better player in my mind. The next one doesn't take a lot of discussion because it's simply not fair. The third easiest run defense schedule over the next four weeks belongs to the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe rely on him in DFS. Uh, Henry's also yeah. had like a weird career split where in December and January, he just runs roughshod over people. So yeah, start him, obviously. Detroit in week 15 oh, is God. the number one producer of running back fantasy points for a defense. And Green Bay in week 16 is the number three producer of fantasy points for a defense. That's a situation where you're just hoping that your opponent in the fantasy playoffs doesn't have Henry because he, he can just beat you by himself. Uh, then we have Baltimore. Baltimore is an interesting one. Yeah, because uh, there again, you have multiple running backs. Okay, and again, we have to talk about COVID with like which running back is active because who goes on the COVID list and when do they come off the COVID list, et cetera. But yeah. that aside, who do you think is getting the carries? Like, let's say they're all healthy. If they're all healthy, I think J.K. Dobbins is the one to target. He's still available in 50% of ESPN leagues. And in week 11, before all this COVID stuff became such a mess, it looked like he was enjoying his breakout. He played 63% of offensive snaps that week. He had 17 total touches. I think Ingram and Gus Edwards combined for like five touches that week. So it was really, for the first time where all of the backs were healthy, it was very clearly Dobbins' job for the first time this season. And you kind of always wanted it to be his job anyway, because he's the one that does the most in the passing game. So that's really your only ticket, I think, to fantasy success there. So I'm targeting Dobbins, but also I'm, I don't want to drop Gus Edwards either, because given the fact that the Ravens have something like 20 players and coaches dealing with COVID at this point, I think the educated guess is that they probably actually have COVID. And maybe that could be a situation where even if guys like Dobbins are able to come off the list because they've been isolated for 10 days, 
who knows what kind of like playing condition they'll be in. It may be the case that Edwards gets a little bit of extra run as a productive fantasy player because of that. And then the final easy schedule of our easy run schedules for the next four weeks is Chicago. Although I will point out Detroit is the easiest part of that. And Detroit is week 13. Mm -hmm. So Detroit is not during the fantasy playoffs. Then they get Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville. Yes. I mean, good point there. But I think even week 12 was a good reminder that David Montgomery can be a pretty good fantasy player in the right matchups. Yeah. I think he had about 150 total yards against the Packers. And while one of the a big chunk of that was like a 58-yard carry. That's the kind of thing you're looking for in a matchup against the Lions or whoever. So I think he's probably going to be a top 10 option for you based mostly on volume. But he's always been a player that can struggle against the, the tougher matchups with the poor pass um, run blocking that the Bears often have. So the hardest run defense schedules over the next four weeks, the hardest one is really interesting because, again, just like we did with pass defense, this is a player you will never, ever bench. No. But it's Minnesota and Dalvin Cook. So I find this really fascinating. This is a situation where I think a lot of times you'll hear fantasy analysts say you can't get too cute. But I'll say in Cook's case, I mean, there there uh, is some pretty clear evidence that the matchups have really meant a lot for him this season. He's had two just like otherworldly games this season with 226 total yards and four touchdowns against the Packers. They're 20th in run defense TV away. He had 252 total yards and two touchdowns against the Lions. They're 24th. And then Cook was held to 63 rushing yards against the Colts. They're fifth. And 65 against the Seahawks. They're eighth. And I'm cherry picking a little bit there to just kind of show you that it is a little bit of a lever. He still reached about 100 total yards in almost every game this season, so you're not benching him. But I think this really is a relevant concern for DFS. And if you're in a league where maybe trades are still an option, probably past the trade deadline in most formats, maybe that's a situation where you could get a godfather type of package for Cook. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was thinking that maybe you could trade Cook for Christian McCaffrey plus, but now that McCaffrey's been hurt, since then, again, I'm not sure that's as good of an idea as at the time, but if you could trade Cook for uh, Derrick Henry, if you could trade it for Derrick Henry, then sure, by all means do that, right? Because I think the schedules really could make a difference when you're talking about players at that level. Especially the Saints in championship week, week 16, and the mm-hmm. Saints are the hardest run defense in the league this year. Dude, I could just easily imagine the Saints being up two touchdowns in that game and Cook not even touching the ball 20 times. That could be yeah, a disappointing into an incredible fantasy season. Uh, the second hardest remaining run defense belongs to the Detroit Lions. So where, where I think I'm going with this is that I think Adrian Peterson is someone you can out, out drop. He's actually had a little bit of fantasy utility the last couple of weeks. But with DeAndre Swift hopefully coming back from his concussion in week 13, I, I think that probably already meant the end of, of Peterson's fantasy utility. And, and really... Swift is the only one making much of an impact in the passing game anyway. That may be your only ticket of fantasy success against that hard run defense schedule. Especially because, again, Tampa Bay is the really hard one, and they have them in Week 16. Yeah, not the best timing. Uh, The next one that's a tough run defense schedule is the Houston Texans. Yeah, I think fantasy players have already been dropping Duke Johnson because he's underwhelmed as the sort of featured back substitute for David Johnson. But I would say neither Duke nor David is somebody you're going to want to start down the stretch with that matchup. Uh, They just really aren't, they aren't sort of your every week RB2s even given their lack of efficiency such that I think you would want to start them. 
They have Indianapolis twice, and I'm guessing they're going to get the real Indianapolis defense with with DeForest Buckner in there. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, speak a little bit about that because the the Colts had been a tremendous run defense until Derrick Henry carved them up this this week. But do you think that the injuries played kind of an out, uh, outsized part of that success for the for the Titans? I mean, I think I think some of it is the injury. Some of it was Henry just had a great game. I mean, one defensive player does not make that much difference like we saw this week. And I mean, I guess it's two guys because it's Danico Autry too. But um, but certainly they that they make a difference. And I don't think you're going to, I can't, I wouldn't expect the Colts to be giving up 180 yards to everybody, but uh, they're better than that once they get uh, DeForest Buckner back off the COVID. Yeah, they, they really had been one of the biggest limiters of fantasy success for running backs until that one game. So I'm going to trust the greater trend there, especially when they're facing kind of undermanned rushing attacks like the Texans have. All right, then we end up with three teams tied. So let's go through each of them. First, the Seattle Seahawks. With the Seahawks, I think we've kind of been playing the waiting game with Chris Carson. I don't think he's somebody, if he comes back healthy, that you're going to want to bench just because of the matchups. But that may be a reason that you can go ahead and let someone like Carlos Hyde go that a fantasy player may be holding on to in case Carson can't come back and healthy. I'm not sure I would want to start him against some of the tougher run defenses. Uh, Then we end up with the Washington football team. (laughs) Antonio Gibson had, what, more than 100 yards, certainly, and three Nobody's touchdowns on, on Thanksgiving. So I don't think you're going to sit him. But this could be an interesting lever, I feel like, for J.D. McKissick. Because McKissick has really produced a lot when when Washington has fallen behind and the Alex Smith starts getting something like 10 or more targets in those games. So that may be an interesting kind of counterplay, too. You may be able to start both backs, even though that's a little bit counterintuitive, given that Washington has the difficult slate of rushing defenses. Yeah, you have to kind of look at whether Washington's going to fall way behind. And Pittsburgh in 13 and Seattle in 15, I feel it's more likely that you go to that kind of game script than San Francisco in 14 and Carolina in week 16. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Aaron. And then the last defense to talk about run defense is the Arizona Cardinals. Kenyon Drake is, I mean, I think kind of quietly reemerged as a borderline running back one or two, getting a lot more work near the goal line than he got earlier in the season. So I think you feel okay enough there that that it's a consideration. But I don't know. Kyler Murray's getting a, a big part of their rushing attack and even opportunities near the goal line. Chase Edmonds has been the bigger receiving back. So maybe this is an important lever. Like, do you have any any thoughts there? Is Drake somebody that you consider benching in your in your fantasy playoffs, Aaron? Yeah, I think so. I don't think he's been like a must-start kind of guy all year. But mm-hmm. the, I mean, the thing is, the teams they're playing, none of them are killer against the run. It's like they're all just like a little bit above average against the run. Like they're not playing New Orleans, and they're not playing uh, Tampa, and they're not playing yeah. Chicago. But the Rams have been really good against the run this year, and they play them, uh, but they play them in uh, – in the week 13. So that's not during the playoffs. And that's the hardest of the remaining run defenses that they play. It's just that they don't play any easy run defenses the rest of the way. There are no games where you're like licking your chops and going, bring on Vegas. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. And I think that's good. I'll, I'll kind of touch on the specifics for, for those types of matchups when the time comes and the start and sit type of work that we do. But this, I think this has been great, Aaron. I think you've really helped fantasy players maybe target some, some non-traditional players to pick up in fantasy hoping for those plus matchups down the stretch. 
Uh, I think probably everybody listening to this knows who you are, but uh, Aaron, do you have anything that you want to promote? Like, obviously you have the DVOA stuff every week that's tremendous to read, but what else do we have going on on Football Outsiders that you encourage? I was going to say, if you listen to this podcast, you know who I am and you probably read everything I write. No doubt. uh, I don't know. I'm working on something for ESPN later this week about Justin Jefferson's awesome rookie season, but uh, otherwise I'm just uh, enjoying the season and writing my usual stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, wait to see what happens uh, and and rooting for the Saints because I like to be right. And we <laughs> yeah. are driving the Saints bandwagon this year. So go New Orleans Saints. Okay. I mean, I, I probably can't fully endorse that as a Panthers fan, but I can get behind everything else that you're I know that's there. tough. It would be like <laughs> me saying go Jets, which luckily I don't ever, ever, ever have to root for because the Jets are terrible. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of rooting for the Saints this year to prove me right. Well, that's going to wrap up this Tuesday episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. And then circle back next, uh, I guess, this Friday to hear all of my DFS thoughts for Week 13. Thanks so much, and I'll plan to talk to you then. Mm-hmm.